The week when Indiana became ground zero in the race for president, Ted Cruz picks a running mate, Donald Trump shows off a celebrity endorsement, Bernie Sanders visits two college campuses, and members of the Clinton family take turns energizing voters. That plus Trey Hollingsworth, what his opponents are calling him, predictions and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending April 29, 2016. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, Ted Cruz did his best to shake up the fight for the GOP nomination for president and the battle for Indiana. First, he made an alliance with John Kasich that calls for Kasich to drop his campaign here. Then he picked a running mate. His choice is former presidential candidate Carly Fiorina. In an announcement made at Pan Am Plaza, Cruz said he picked her for her character, her business background, and her conservative credentials. After a great deal of time and thought, after a great deal of consideration and prayer. I have come to the conclusion that if I am nominated to be President of the United States that I will run on a ticket with my Vice Presidential nominee, Carly Fiorina. Well, look, the first goal is to deny Donald Trump the 1,237 delegates that he w needs to win the nomination. And then we're going to go on and win. There's nothing untoward about a contested convention. We just haven't had it in a long time. Will the Cruz strategy work next Tuesday? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat Ann Delaney. Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV State House reporter Jim Shella. Mike McDaniel, another development. Now Mike Pence has endorsed Ted Cruz. Will that get him over the top? Well, I don't know about getting him over the top. I mean, the governor felt compelled after meeting with the three candidates. He felt like Ted Cruz was the one guy who best help if he would make it to the White House with moving Indiana forward. So that's he felt compelled to tell people how he was going to vote. He told people how he was going to vote. He didn't tell people that they should vote the way he's voting. Um, well, it's been called lukewarm. It, w it, was, it was not the most forceful of endorsements. That's, that's a tough distinction for a lot of people to make. Once they hear that you're voting for, they see that as an endorsement. Okay. 
Um, a lot of people thought that he wouldn't endorse because it might hurt him with some Democrats, or I'm sorry, with some Republicans in the fall. Well, I think it will hurt him with some Republicans in the fall, but the problem with this is that he is an ideological clone of Ted Cruz. I mean, they both wanted to shut the government down. They both wanted to repeal Obamacare. They both think RIFRA and discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation is a good thing. Uh, they want to get in the bedroom with people's decisions about uh, important health decisions. It's they are so much alike that I think the pressure from the right wing that's always supported Mike Pence was probably pretty intense for him to vote uh, for, to give whatever lukewarm, half-hearted endorsement that he wound up giving. Okay, so back to the Kasich uh, alliance. The, the agreement was Kasich doesn't campaign in Indiana, Cruz won't campaign in Oregon and New Mexico. Uh, it, that seemed to fall apart before the week was out. Yeah, it um, didn't really make sense to begin with. I mean, I understand they're trying to throw the... the you know, weight of Kasich supporters behind Cruz and maybe be able to take out Trump. But it doesn't make sense when you've only got a week to go anyway. Um, voters who might have been for Kasich, he's different decidedly from the other two. And so I think there are a lot of Kasich voters who think, well, I, I can't support Cruz, even if it is to try to take out Trump. Um, it's kind of Machiavellian, uh, and it's a little distasteful. So I think, um, I, I think it's a strategy that didn't make a lot of sense and really, it's interesting that these kinds of moves that used to be done behind closed doors and quietly are now so out in front. Uh, I think it's very interesting. Yeah. And then the running mate choice. Um, that's, that's a move that's never been done before. It was mocked by Donald Trump. Um, he says, you know, he's picking her. She'll never be elected. He's right. I mean, a lot of these things do sort of smack of desperation, whether it's the uh, this odd alliance, which I think everybody will agree, well, maybe the people involved won't agree, but most everybody on the outside would say it was not the best idea. And now you look at the uh, the appointment or the announcement at this early stage of a running mate, and it just does seem... Like a Hail Mary pass? It does seem like a Hail Mary pass. And, and, and a lot of these things basically it just... It seems they, like he tried a Hail Mary, then he tried a double reverse. Well, they, they play he's... into <laughs> Trump's uh, storyline. Yeah. As John suggests, they play into Trump's storyline about, you know, I'm the, I'm the leader and now it's everybody's trying to... I'm trying to fight yep. the establishment and look how... I'm, you know, yeah. I'm the de facto winner because everybody's having to throw up all these various obstacles and I'm still overcoming it. So yeah. I understand the strategy behind both of those things, the Trump cruise pact. I mean, clearly the idea is to keep Trump from trying to get the delegates he needs before the convention. And by doing that, if you can get to that 40% that the Gannett poll says... 40% of Republicans say they can never vote for Trump. Right. And that same poll, 40% of the Democrats said they can never vote for Hillary. So if they're trying to uh, get some of those people to vote for Cruz just to stop Trump moving forward, I mean, that was the strategy. But the problem is, as John said, a lot of Kasich supporters were very disappointed uh, at that. And so you don't know how that's going to actually translate on Election Day. So that's a problem. Then on the other one, on the Fiorina uh, selection... You know, you got this certain number of Republican women who are angry with Donald Trump, and you got to think that the effort by Cruz to attract her to the ticket at this point, if this truly is the last stand and before the convention, that now's the time you had to do that. Well, and if it's so, not the last stand, they're heading to California, and right. that's her home state. And that's June, so that's that's yeah. another couple of weeks. So, yeah. but there's a new poll out today from the Hill that shows Donald Trump with a nine-point lead, yeah. apparently bigger than what he had earlier in the week. Yeah, I mean. I, I, 
I know even Lucifer needs allies, um, but you know it is very Which is hard. What John Boehner well, John called, so you're called him. Ally now. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's just I think he's just so imminently unlikable that I, I just don't think you can translate that support. I think the Satanists have disavowed the statement by. Have they? <laughs> they don't want any part of it no, either. I, I, think, I think he is going to pick up some of those casing votes. I really do. Some, All right, still with no. this, former IU basketball coach Bob Knight endorsed Donald Trump this week and campaigned with him at rallies in Evansville and at the state fairgrounds. You folks, thank you, you folks. A more honest politician than Donald Trump. You folks are taking a look at the most prepared man in history to step in as president of the United States. That man right there. And Delaney, will that win votes for Trump? No. I mean, I'd be the first to concede that Bobby Knight was a great basketball coach. That doesn't necessarily make him a good human being. And the fact that you have two misogynists like Trump and Knight together making common cause is not really very surprising to a lot of us. It was, uh, uh, odds may be a good term, to, to see Bob Knight talking about foreign policy at a political rally. Didn't make any difference. This was a good endorsement for Trump in Indiana. Clearly, there's still a lot of people that, that love Bobby Knight and care deeply about him and what he did for Indiana University and the state. And so that translates. There are people out there who feel like if he's for Trump, then, then you know, Trump can't be all that bad a guy. I'm telling you, that's a powerful, <laughs> yeah. that's a powerful endorsement in this state. Yeah. I thought it was smart because I think it took some of the sting out of, clearly, out of what was going on on the other side. I mean, this was a major announcement this week, and they traveled around the state to a couple of spots over two days. And I think it was powerful for yeah. Trump. Bob Knight was on stage endorsing Donald Trump on two different days wearing the same set of clothing. Um, <laughs> Hey, uh, you got a good formula. I guess you stick with it. But it's uh, what didn't he wear the same clothing for same shirt twenty five years? But years. I think sweater. Yeah. I, I think I, Mike's I, right that the, if you look at yeah. at the margins of of how this can affect the race, and there might be some Hoosiers who w still had some suspicions about. Donald Trump, you know, maybe he's really? maybe he's not like the rest of us here in in, uh, in the heartland maybe of America. Maybe he's not prepared to be president. But but then you have a man who, to many, is still sort of the patron saint of, of Indiana basketball. No. I, not to you, of I'll course. I tell you what, but yeah. I it think cuts both too, ways. It cuts too, both ways. It does. Here's here's I my anecdote. I think it helps a little bit. Here's I mean, my anecdote no. about this. My brother-in-law, 16 years ago, when Bob Knight was fired, had this huge argument about about Bob Knight. And, you know, he comes back to me and says, 16 years later, you, you were, were right. right. He was yeah. a narcissist, and he's all about himself, and I'm sorry. Yeah. And if that happens <laughs> with, with I, my brother-in-law, then that's, I think, the overriding emotion. I, I think it might hurt Trump more than it helps. I, I think you're right about I, that. And the reason I think you're right about that is when, when he... When he steps over the line from doing what people remember him for doing right. and then tries to project himself, you don't translate that. People have formed an opinion of Trump and Cruz, and it's not going to be influenced by I think that's right. a coach who's he, been out of the limelight for some time. He may be the of Defense. Because uh, <laughs> he, well he, he knows about defense. <laughs> he knows about and they haven't played any history. defense at Indiana since he left. 
Man to man. Oh, Would there yeah. be a shot clock right. or no shot clock? Right. With the... To the Democratic race. <laughs> Hillary Clinton campaigned in northern Indiana this week. She spoke first at the Munster Steel Plant in Hammond. Her message was geared toward the general election in November, focusing on jobs and manufacturing. She says survival of the steel industry is one of her priorities. She also tried to counter the message from Donald Trump. It's important that people not just give speeches and get everybody riled up. You need to ask them, what are you actually going to do and how are you going to do it? Give me the specifics. Don't just give me the rhetoric and the demagoguery. John Katzenberger, will Hillary's primary win here in 2008 mean anything come Tuesday? Uh, yeah, I think I think it'll probably resonate. Uh, she's run a good campaign uh, in Indiana. Um, she's clearly run ahead. Um, Bernie Sanders is not Barack Obama, and so I think that um, she's going to do pretty well when Tuesday rolls around. Okay, so you got you two Republicans, two Democrats competing in Indiana, but Hillary Clinton has been the most low-key of the group. She made these two stops in northern Indiana. We still haven't seen her in central Indiana. We've seen Bill Clinton and Chelsea Clinton, uh, but she's also not doing TV. She's the only one not doing TV. What's going on? I guess uh, you could conclude that uh, she's pretty comfortable with uh, where she is in Indiana right now. And in fact... Although the polls show her within the margin of error. Well, but, you also, but, you also have re but you also have reports that the Sanders campaign was, was dialing back its media buy uh, in Indiana. So and laying off staff. If, it seems to me that you're not reducing the size of your presence in the state and certainly not scaling back your, your air attack if you feel good about it. So between yeah. what, what I read into her actions uh, and his, you've got to assume that, that she has what she feels is a comfortable lead at this point. And she won four primaries out of five on Tuesday, and, and she's sending signals uh, that, that I received that Indiana is not crucial to her winning the nomination at this point. I think she's confident about her situation in Indiana. But having her in the state talking about trying to bring back manufacturing jobs after this administration did more to lay more regulation on business that hurt job creation than probably any administration in history. And she didn't give any specifics about what she was going to do to bring manufacturing back. In fact, she said the key to uh, strengthen our economy again was to support labor unions again. So, uh, you know, I think she thinks she's comfortable here, but, you know, she's not going to play well here in the fall. It's just not going to happen. We've had 29 consecutive months of job growth, okay? 29 consecutive months. We have actually done growth. more job growth in, in one year Not than the entire eight years of okay. the Bush administration. She's, I think she's but confident. She's got, but she's got she's some looking, issues. She went, she went to that steel plant, and on the same day, the Steel Workers Union in northwest Indiana endorsed Bernie Sanders. Sanders. That's right. That's right. And, you know, she has, she has some issues, and she obviously <laughs> is, is dealing with them, but she's going to win Indiana, number one. And number two, she's looking to the fall. And you can tell that Bernie Sanders campaign has changed, not just by the layoffs and the scale back, but the tenor of the ads that are on are all feel good. There are no attack ads on there. And I think he's doing the right thing in that regard. He's raised a lot of very crucial issues for people. The income disparity is, is a big issue. Student debt is a big issue. All of those things he's raised, and they're going to have prominence in the, in the platform in, in uh, um, Philadelphia. Well, Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton are already talking about those issues. Well, and, and they did, have proposals she, on those issues, just as they do on job growth. 
in 2008, the issues that were working for Barack Obama suddenly became Hillary Clinton's issues, and we're seeing the same thing again. Well, you know, if you have some, <laughs> nobody, no one candidate is the repository of every good idea. Right. So if you can, you can cabbage on to them, more power to you. Okay, Bernie Sanders brought his campaign to Purdue and then IU this week, but he also cut his Indiana television budget before the week was out. I say to corporate America, to carrier, to all of these large corporations, if you want us to purchase your products, start manufacturing them in Indiana, Vermont, and in America, not in China and not in Mexico. John Schwantis, does that sound like a last gasp? I don't know if it's a last uh, gasp. I mean, this is an issue that... Uh, resonates in Indiana. I mean, the carrier situation did unfold here, and it got a lot of attention. So I'm not surprised he would, he would uh, focus on that. Also not surprised that he would spend time in what I presume would be friendly territory with two large college uh, towns, college campuses. Also spoke at a carrier rally at the it's, state house. I mean, if you look at the, at the events or the locations where he has campaigned, it one would presume is friendly territory when you look about his, his call for free college uh, education and, and uh, actions to try to salvage jobs or prevent similar losses of jobs overseas in the future. That's a friendly audience. Now, uh, your point, I think, about scaling back some of the attacks is, is a good one. You don't seem to be... Uh, he hasn't given up the, the notion of we still have momentum, we still as part of a, a, a revolution, but it doesn't seem to maybe have the bite that, yeah. that it would have a few weeks ago. I spoke to him this morning, and he said there's a narrow path to the nomination. Look, uh, you know, you don't get to be a politician of Bernie Sanders' ability and not recognize what you're up against. Uh, and I do think that Ann's point about the advertising um, says something about where Bernie Sanders' head is right now. It's a narrow path. He knows a lot of things have to happen for him, and it's not likely. So why burn everything down when he sees on the other side what's happening? Why not try to bring the momentum and the ideas and the energy that he's created into the party itself. And so, you know, I think that might be what we're seeing here. And it's a constructive path rather than destructive. And that's a really key point, because his, his candidacy during this entire time has been constructive. In sharp contrast with what we see on the other side, those ads by Cruz against Trump on television are vicious. I mean, they're really vicious. And you should it, see the rallies. I, well, mean, I can imagine. I mean, the fist fights and the whole right. bit. It's, it's really unattractive to people who are not political junkies and even to political junkies. <laughs> so I think Bernie Sanders has done a, uh, he's done a very, very positive thing, and he's continuing to do it. There's a thought by some out there that if Hillary Clinton had given in earlier in 2008 and let Barack Obama uh, get the nomination before Indiana, that maybe Bernie Sanders wouldn't be hanging on now. Well, I, I, I think that Bernie Sanders, nobody really at the start of this thing thought he'd be as competitive as he's been. Right. And he won a string of states there for a while that, that really sends a message that I'm sure the Clinton family hates to hear. Uh, I think they're probably angry that he stayed in as long as he has and made her fight the way she's had to fight to do what she's done. But clearly, uh, he's decided that this thing's over. When they start talking about changing the platform and having an impact on the platform, that's code for I know I can't win. Right. And hopefully the Clinton, for at least on their side, if the Clintons recognize that they need to have him have that voice at the convention, 
then they've got a chance of winning back some of the 40% right. that say they would never vote for I him. think that's exactly right. And, and I so think that's they will what they've got to do. They will do that. Yeah. She's already reaching out to him, and I, and I think that the potential for having them to come together is going to be much easier than putting the Cruz, the Trump, and the Kasich well, we'll see, people we'll together. We'll see how angry they are about how he made them work so hard for it versus if they can get over well, that, they have a chance of doing I think she's a it. much better candidate now than she was when she started well, that's this probably, as a result that's probably of that. true. That's probably true, but I'm telling you, some of those kinds of feelings yeah. in politics sometimes run well, pretty it, deep. Well, we got beyond it with, with Barack Obama and Hillary yeah. Clinton. You did. Time now for viewer Look what feedback. It did to the country. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question, what will affect your vote the most? A, Bob Knight's endorsement. B, the selection of Carly Fiorina. C, Bill Clinton appearances. Or D, Bernie Sanders is on his own. Last week, who will you vote for in the Indiana primary? 16% said Donald Trump, 16% or 6% said Ted Cruz, 16% said John Kasich, 31% said Hillary Clinton, and 31% said Bernie Sanders. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash iwir and look for the poll. One of the big races next week is in the GOP primary for Congress in the 9th District. The big issue is candidate Trey Hollingsworth. Here is how opponent Erin Houchin portrays him in one of her campaign ads. I've spent my life here, fighting for conservative values. Now, a Tennessee millionaire just moved here to try to buy our seat in Congress. It's just not right. Trey Hollingsworth thinks Hoosiers aren't smart enough to see through his big money Washington campaign. But I trust conservatives to not let his millions buy their vote. Mike McDaniel, is Trey Hollingsworth a carpetbagger? It's kind of hard not to at least point that finger at him, and clearly... It's a powerful argument. I mean, you know, clearly it looks like he came here to buy a congressional seat. Uh, and it is a powerful argument only if you have enough money to make the argument. And I think what's happening is now that everybody's trying to do it, it may resonate with some people, but, but they do it too little too late is the problem. So you're saying he's, so, he's a favorite. So i, I got to think that, well, as of April 27th, $2.9 million spent in this race overall. Would you add candidates? The PACs and the super PACs, 88% of that was for Hollingsworth. And so that's a lot of money for one candidate in that period of time. It really is. So The majority of that money uh, comes from him self-funding his campaign. $1.3 million. All right. And the majority of the rest uh, is a super PAC that's being funded by his father. Half a million. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, so what are you saying? He's buying the congressional seat? I think that's pretty obvious. Okay, does this suggest that, that there's something wrong with our campaign finance laws? <laughs> Is that a serious question? Uh, Is that a serious <laughs> question? I've been saying that for Oh, my God, years. I've been saying it for how many years? <laughs> Every yeah. once in a while, I'll give you a now Yeah, softball, yeah. This is yeah. called T-ball, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Wow. It's, there's obviously a lot wrong with our campaign finance laws. And, and you know, but the, the, the Republicans always say that money is speech. It is. And he can speak louder. It is. Speech. Yeah. Is is this lost on the voters or not? Uh, no, I don't think it's. I, I, you've got a fractured field to begin with, right? Uh, and you've got one candidate pouring tons and tons of money into it. The Republicans in the ninth district are being hoist on their own petard with the the whole money case. But that's what's happening, and that's what's going to happen uh, because you've got three other major candidates. Uh, who are likely to split the yeah, Aaron Houchin, Brent Waltz, Greg right. Zeller. We actually have four. Yeah, and then there's Robert Hall in there, too. Um, and that's what makes that 
race particularly interesting. I think that's why you're focusing on it. Uh, it's not just option A, option B. I mean, this is yeah. much if it was, more. If it was, they could overcome that. Yes, but, but the point that you make, John, is a good one. You have serious candidates who are known and supported by certain constituencies within the district, and that just, when you slice that so many different ways, you don't really have a, a good indication necessarily of how it's going to turn out. Time now for predictions. Who's going to win the GOP primary race for president in Indiana, Mike McDaniel? I think Trump's got a sizable lead going into Tuesday. Yeah, and I'd go along with that. I have to make it three. Uh, we got Jones. Unanimous, yeah. I, uh, Donald Trump is going to win. I think Trump win. gets 45 of 57 delegates yeah. out of it, too. He's going to win Indiana. All right, the Democratic race for president in Indiana. I and. think Hillary will win. I think Hillary will win. <laughs> this John. is getting boring, Hillary. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Um, okay, let's go to the U.S. Senate race on the Republican side. Todd Young versus Marlon Stutzman. Who wins that one, Mike? I think Todd Young does. Uh, polling looks good for him. Well, and the ads you sat on have been basically, I'm surprised that Marlon Stutzman has any skin left. Well, uh, Stutzman's had his own set of ads, too. Well, they have, but... but, I think if Trump has the day that we think he has, it could maybe pull Marlon Stutzman ahead. Oh, well, that could be. I'd say Young has the advantage at this point. Well, Marlon Stutzman made a big mistake this week when he, he got into trouble again for not reporting an airplane trip uh, from a supporter after uh, having a, a family vacation paid for with campaign contributions. It starts to look like a pattern, and I think that works against him. I say Todd Young. Okay, to the congressional races, 3rd District Republican. Who wins that one? I think it's Jim Banks. Who is getting support from Club for Growth and others. I think it's Banks, but I think it's going to be close. Mm-hmm. Kip Tom, you say, will make it close? Kip Tom and Liz Brown. Okay. I mean, they're bunched up. I mean, they're not very far apart, all three of them. Again, very good point. Lots of legitimate candidates could go anyway, but I think Banks, based on signs alone, I was up there recently, and, that did, and he clearly wins the sign battle. Well, and he's had a well-financed campaign, so that would seem to be the same situation in the ninth up in the third, except that it's been more traditional. I think Kip Tom's made it a heck of an interesting race, and there are large, you know, I think Liz Brown's the same way. I say Jim Banks. All right. Uh, The ninth, uh, we don't have time to go around the table. Trey Hollingsworth wins. Money trumps everything. Trey or Greg Zeller. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat and Delaney. Republican, Mike McDaniel. John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir. Or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. We'll see you again next week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.